Uh, hello and welcome. Welcome to episode 61 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer scenes across the U.S. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm happy to welcome back my co-host, Ben. Ben, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? Woo, woo. Also doing great. Um, this is probably going to mess everything up here, but I had a follow-up appointment on my little injury that we talked about last week. And uh, uh-huh. here's some show and tell uh, for the viewers at home. Uh, I got this. I got this sweet thing now. Yeah. Healthcare. Booting it up. Um, so this Stop is much boot. more comfortable to uh, walk in. I inevitably are going to try to drink beer out of it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Uh, but we'll save that for maybe another day. Ben, how are you doing? Um, I'm pretty good. Uh, we are, you know, I, I feel like we talk about this every week, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pertinent. It's relevant. Uh, in the middle of a crushing heat wave. Um, mm. So I'm happy to sit down and drink beer. Uh, that's really all I'm willing to do today or any day this week. Did you get that, uh, get that furniture built? Um, I don't, I still don't have the new furniture, but I feel like I have enough space and enough or enough things unpacked in here now that we don't have the same hideous echo that we were having last week. So that's good. Cool. We're growing, we're evolving. Other than my boot, I'll tell you one thing I am, I can't get my mind off of. And that is uh, two days from now when we are recording this, I am going to see one of my favorite bands of all time for the first time ever. I thought I would never see them again. They broke up 15 years ago or something. But uh, on Friday, I'm going to see Rage Against the Machine and I could not be happier about it. I am so excited. Fantastic. Um, Yeah. And I'm excited to drink some beers tonight and just hang out. So on this episode, we're going to cap off our month of Bend with two featured breweries. Uh, we've got the, the largest brewery ever featured on the show, Deschutes Brewing Company. And uh, we're going to be drinking their Twilight Summer Ale. Uh, we've also got local Bend Legends Boneyard Brewing Company. And we're going to be enjoying their RPM IPA. And, you know, before we rally around the family with a pocket full of shells, um, we're going to be joined a little bit later on by a special guest from Boneyard. His name is Tony Lawrence. He is the brewery's founder. Uh, But we've talked too much without first cracking open a beer. So how about we do that? Let's do that. Great idea. Ben, shout out to... All our beer club subscribers at home that just launched beer all over my uh, laptop. And I just found out today that my space key is now sticking because of all the beer I've spilled on it because of the show. So yeah, not, not really much of a mystery as to why that was probably happening. Nope. No troubleshooting uh, (laughs) needed, not troubleshooting, no uh, testing needed to determine that one. Cheers. I cannot pour in these glasses correctly for the life of me. There we go. And I'm just going to wear that foam mustache like a proud badge. Boy, that's tasty. This is the Deschutes. Deschutes. Why do I say Deschutes? Deschutes. There you go. Uh, Twilight Summer Ale. Really nice 5% uh, ABV Summer Ale. It's brewed with a, a lot of hops, different different hops. Amarillo, Sterling, Casimir. And my favorite hop to ever see on anything is an experimental hop that doesn't have a fancy name to it yet. It's just experimental hop number 431. Just created by a bunch of university students and thrown out there into the world 
as all good things are usually. Yeah. Gotta love those uh, <laughs> experimental hop varieties. Uh, so really loving this beer. Well, I was going to say, I actually like, if you were to like hold a gun to my head and ask me to tell you like to describe and define a summer ale, I don't know if I'd be able to, but drinking this, like if, if this is a summer ale, then I'm into summer ales. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is really like a uh, kind of catch all. It's the big umbrella. Yeah, I mean, of, I guess like uh, seasonal it's, styles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a pale ale. It's not an amber or red, but it's hoppy, but it's not like hop forward necessarily. It's, it's light. It's drinkable. Um, it's good. I like it. I'm probably going to slam it. Yeah. Yeah. Very drinkable. Very crushable. A little bit of background on the shoots in case anybody didn't know. Uh, oldest craft brewery in Bend, uh, founded in 1988. Um, they're the 11th largest craft brewery in the United States based on sales volume in 2021. That's a huge, huge brewery, like far and away the biggest brewery we've ever featured on this uh, podcast. And they were very great to work with. I got a wonderful tour of their facilities when I was in Bend. And uh, we mentioned it when we talked to Mason, uh, but I got a great recommendation for a sandwich shop from the taproom staff there and just thoroughly enjoyed everything about my visit there and the sandwich that happened afterwards. You always remember a good sandwich. Absolutely. That's always going to be a marker in time and place is when you have a, a damn good sandwich. You're never going to forget it. Especially when it's at a place named Chiba Hut and everything oh, yeah. on the menu is weed themed <laughs> and it has a great pun for its I name. Sh- so I should yeah. have known that it was going to be Chiba Hut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's come up before. Uh, to our beer club subscribers, we also got some great stickers in there from our friends at Deschutes and Boneyard. Yeah, shout out to Jens. But uh, we've been drinking, we've been talking here. We need to get into the real meat of this episode. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest. Uh, Please join us in welcoming the founder of Boneyard Brewing Company, Tony Lawrence. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Brian and Ben, thanks for having me. Hello. Well, let's start with uh, your background in the industry. What did you do before starting Boneyard? Well, uh, interesting that, uh, well, I, I know, I guess why you have, uh, I'm certainly excited to be here and uh, in the company of Deschutes as well, because that's kind of where my journey started. I started at Deschutes in 1989, worked there till November of 2001 or a 12 year run and or from about 1,500 barrels, 120,000 barrels or something. So very much the foundation of uh, an, an amazing start to my career in this craft beer game. And uh, clearly, we'll get to the full circle aspect of it here in a minute. But for the next uh, 15 years or so, I went down to Phoenix and worked for a a small startup called Rio Salado in 2002, 2004. And that was a fun gig. But, you know, the craft beer market in Phoenix in 2004 was a little young at best. And then especially, um, you know, brewers can be... uh, Tim Gossick was my boss and former, you know, uh, brewmaster at the shoots that, that I followed down there. And, and we just wanted to brew lagers. So we were brewing Mertzins and Pilsners and Hefeweizens and, and Schwartz beers and all these different things. Hefeweizen not being lager and wit beers, um, which was a lot of fun for us, but the market wasn't really, really ready for it. So that lasted a couple of years. 
I'm originally from California, so I kind of thought I was done with snowboarding and, and all these things that got me to bend. I went back to California looking for employment in the Bay Area, which kind of got me to Firestone. I was good friends with Brindleson since I met him in 99 when I was going to brewing school uh, at Siebel in Chicago. And so we've always kept in touch and been great buddies. And uh, I was looking for work in the Bay Area. And he goes, well, you know, why don't you come to Paso Robles to work for me? And, uh, and so I did. And um, without talking too much about it, that was a great experience because at Firestone, I'd been in brewing departments most of my career thus far. But at Firestone, I was led into help with the packaging department which is not really where brewers want to go. Um, <laughs> however, the experience, because, you know, uh, Firestone does great work, um, not just with the raw materials, the recipes, but all the other processes that happen in, in the brewing, you know, from post-fermentation to seamer on the can line, for example. But, you know, that really started to really round out my brewing career, I feel. I mean, I just that year I spent on the packaging line, looking at things from that process rather than from the brew deck really helped round me out. But that was the last job I ever took. Uh, I kind of left there in 2005 and decided to, I just always kind of felt like maybe I had an entrepreneurial spirit in my, in my bones or what have you. And I had to, to after, uh, you know, about 15 years now in the industry, I decided to just sort of see what other options may be out there for me. And I'll try and speed this up. I, had, I started a little business called Brutal, B-R-E-W-T-A-L. And I was kind of a consultant. I ran around for about five or seven years and I was brokering tanks and I was installing tanks and retrofitting your brewery and just getting in, just fitting in wherever I could to take a paycheck. But also this really also helped round out what would be next in my career, my timeline, which is the launch of Boneyard, because I brewed for like 13 years and then I went and did lagers and then I ended up in packaging. And now I'm out there running around the country, kind of freestyling, reconfiguring brew houses and just... You know, um, fake it till you make it could be true. Maybe I had the skills, but am I engineer installing brew houses? And then that was kind of it. It kind of led to Boneyard. Awesome. Which you, which you can see the original location behind you in the, in the imagery. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty humble little spot. I, I think there's some stories about there how, about how this thing got launched. But it's uh, whatever you may have heard, it's much more uh, much more disastrous and interesting than than that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned how um, your time in packaging at Firestone rounded out your background and your experience and your knowledge. Boneyard just started canning. Um, and I want to know what that's been like for you with the canning and packaging of the beer from your own brewery. Uh, thanks. You know, it's it's quite an interesting story. I, I say that over and over. Uh, we are, this is <laughs> our logo. Here. <laughs> this, is our logo, this is our logo now, and we'll get into you know why we're called Boneyard, what the logo means in relation to the uh, the word or the the name Boneyard, because it all ties up together. But funny enough, when I was drawing up the concepts for this project, probably two thousand seven, in my living room and doing these different things and filling folders full of thoughts and ideas. Um, I was all over cans and my first logo, I don't have it here was, you know, there was no art department. There was just us, me, and then us, uh, Clay and Melody story just coming up. And anyhow, our first logo was a pull tab for a can. Uh, I've been in, in uh, big breweries my whole career and uh, packaging breweries was where I come from. And um, that was the business model I was going to try and follow, follow, just get started, get with some draft beer, ASAP, see if you can pay the bills and then flip over into packaging. 
strangely enough, we were at the right place with the right time, with the right liquids, with the right brand, Big Ben, Oregon, 2010, modern IPAs, um, craft beer scene is just booming. So the reason I bore you with that is because as quick as we could buy kegs and buy more fermenters, we always remained sold out. So the cans always got put on hold. We launched in 2010, 2012, we're on hold. Cans next year. 2014, we built a 50-barrel brewery, and we, we, we spun that up to 30,000 barrels, draft only. Cans are still on hold. And then we kind of decided, you know what, this is working pretty well. We're, we're already at 30,000 barrels, draft only. Um, this is a pretty good format. This is a, you know, and then COVID came, and that took away our path to trade, which is bars and restaurants, primarily in the Northwest. And we made the pivot to cans. So we always had it in our DNA. We just mm -hmm. got our hand forced when the COVID hit. Um, so quickly, we sourced equipment from all over the country in our typical boneyard way, zip tied it together while we cut concrete and poured a pad, and off we were running. Yeah. So let's get into that typical boneyard way that you alluded to. Let's get let's talk about the origins of the brewery. Can you talk about why your brewery is called Boneyard and, and how that that founding process went? Love to. Um, it's so fun for me at 12, 13 years now to kind of remember these origin stories and then have and then <laughs> discuss them or share them with you. But interestingly enough, um, I was keeping folders of various names that I found in marketing, branding, and advertising, TV, radio, print. And I just had these huge folders full of names. Boneyard got to that, that, that list because one night on television in the background while I was cooking dinner or something like that, the guy was about to go to the Boneyard in Las Vegas of all the old neon signs. I, that, that word resonated with me. I put it on my list. Then I started thinking about the scope of the project at that point in time, what we had been able to create or not create. And it all of a sudden, the, it connected the dots. I mean, we were the boneyard. Uh, I've collected equipment from 13, 15 different breweries, a keg, a refrigeration compressor, a weird little mix and match tank to form a brewery. So it just became too obvious. It had to happen. As well as, to be honest, um, it wasn't in use. The trademark was available. The dot-com was available. But when you put all those factors together, that's how it came to be. Are you comfortable giving a rundown of some of the equipment that's in the facility behind us? Because like, I think the brew house came from a pretty well-known brewery and some of those tanks came from places people may have he heard of. And it was really cool yeah. to hear all those backstories when I was there. Ooh, knocking a glass over. It, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, so when I had my gig brutal, that was the sort of, uh, I was out there running around the country doing fabrication, insulation, whatever. I got to be friends with Three Floyds guys in 99 when I was going to brewing school at Siebel. Um, that relationship always got stronger and stronger until one time we were at CBC Seattle 2005 or seven or something like that. And Nick Floyd says, hey, Tony, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, wow. And he's like, if I get you a, if I get you a plane flight, you come into Chicago because we need some help out here. And I said, well, of course. Uh, I'm a freelance. I'm a, I'm a hired gun. So anyhow, that really tightened uh, our relationships. And then so I was close to the scenes and Nick and three Floyds were putting in a 30 barrel brewery at the time, probably 2008 or 2009. Well, the 20 barrel brewery was kind of in the way and I could sniff that out. And I was like, well, Nick, you know, if I had a truck there later this week and if I did this and if I did that, could I bring that equipment back to bend? And he's like, you're saying you can come here by this weekend, extract that brewery, have a truck and get out of my way. And I said, I can do that. And so that was kind of uh, where the 20 barrel uh, brewery came from, came out of three Floyds. That's kind of how we got to the thing. And, uh, you know, Nick doesn't like me to 
he doesn't prefer, certainly doesn't like me to mention it much, but you know, at that point in time, there had to be a financial transaction of some kind. I didn't have any money. So Nick was so kind. He goes, Hey, Tone, I believe in you. How about you give, how about I give you this equipment and I'm 5% equity owner. And I said, deal. So uh, that's kind of how we got going. And some of the tanks and things are really pretty funny. Uh, some of the tanks, if you came to our brewery, were all named the first like 10 tanks were all named off the ver- after various individuals and characters along my journeys where the tank came from. I had a couple tanks from uh, Lone Peak Brewing in Big Sky, Monta- Montana. That was Mac and, and Steve. And, and then uh, I named tanks after Nick and Barnaby from Three Floyds and where some of the tanks came from. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of interesting stories out there. Yeah. Well, Mercedes and Wang here. All right. Well, let's try and explain those ones right quick. Yeah, Wong. Uh, Wong was one of the guys I worked for for a lot of years. Uh, he's a equipment manufacturer out of China um, that I that I got to be really close with. Um, I know there's some, some people that maybe get a little uh, distasteful or curious about equipment from China, but my, my uh, engineer and manufacturer, Wong, was amazing. I could work with him one-on-one. And we would do amazing work together. Mercedes, you know, when we ran out of uh, interesting stories for the, or- the origin story for the fermenter, uh, like the Wang Wong tank or the Barnaby tank, um, we had to get a little bit more interesting. So we had three tanks come in, three 40-barrel tanks that you're seeing on the one on the tank on the left, just happened to fill up a, uh, a sea container. These tanks were Mercedes, Porsche, and Lexus, and they were either cars or uh, ballet dancers depending on how you, how you see it. So fun stuff. Yeah, well, I was hoping that maybe now we could enjoy the fruits of uh, some of that engineering and that labor. Um, Brian, can we open the next beer? Yeah, of course we can. All right, let's do it. So it's Boneyard RPM. This beer has been ubiquitous to me since I've moved uh, to Oregon, but I was wondering, Tony, what you could tell us about the RPM IPA. You know, uh, your journey as a brewer, as an artist, as a, you know, as a scientist, a liquid producer of liquid, you know, doesn't come quick and easy. And remember when I told you I was working at Rio Salado, it was like one of the first times, even though we were a lager focused brewery, it was one of the first times after I got out of the big house at the shoots where I had the, I had the reins. I could control the brewery from grain to cap. And um, I started producing some IPAs the first time that were solely mine. They weren't a byproduct of the team or political system. And at that time, I liked really dry beers and I liked really hoppy beers. And to be honest, I learned the hard way, which was beers need to be balanced just because you like dry beers and you like really hoppy beers. Sometimes a super dry beer and a super hoppy beer don't really mesh that well. They were good. They were clean, but there was just something off about them. I really stuck to me when I got to Boneyard. It was time to start making an IPA. And I remember the last time I had the opportunity to make my own beers, what was good, what was wrong. And so I started making the adjustments. I started using a little bit more specialty malts in my, in my, in my grist bill, which is kind of, uh, you know, Munich and Vienna malts at about 5% each. Um, but then also stealing that back with dextrose. I like dextrose usage a lot. So it was just a, where IPAs were at when I was trying to do this, who was I inspired by, what notes could I borrow from which is experience of firestone inspired by russian river my time at three floyds um what i've done right or wrong in the past all went into this rpm thing i was going to ask is that what the base still is is it mostly munich and vienna or is there two row typical malts that you would find in America? oh yeah 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 we're running about it's not proprietary um 
Probably run about 85% uh, two-row uh, silo malt, about 5% each Munich and Vienna. Uh, I like acidulated and dextrose. So whether you look at the dextrose by weight or by extract, that's more or less kind of the makeup. And here's the concept behind it is um, I, I, I thought building, using some Munich and Vienna at those percentages um, would give it a little backbone to stand on, to support the hops. But then I'm also kind of stripping that back a little bit with the dextrose usage, equal percentage by weight. So it sounds kind of offsetting or strange, but it really works. Build in some, some flavor, some backbone, and then steal back the, the, un, uh, the unfermentables and the maltiness um, using dextrose. And I'm a big fan of acidulated malt. Yeah, this is, uh, this is tasting uh, just as nice as I had it, uh, as, as it was when I had it at the tap room. I had a very wonderful visit to your original tap room. I had a really nice time with your coworker, Liz. She showed me all around the place. And um, my most pressing question, most important question is, is this your case of vintage ham? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, uh, we haven't really chatted about, um, somehow I'm going to use this as a, as a intersection to reduce Clay and Melody's story. A little bit going to the building behind you. Um, if you're looking at, there's two units there. There's two garage doors. I got started on the right side, unit B, I believe it is. And I was subleasing from Clay and Melody Story, unit A. And as I was sitting over there cutting concrete and doing various things, we were already friends, got to be a lot closer. And uh, subsequently, you know, I needed some money to help finish the project because <laughs> $7,000 or $8,000 in a credit card wasn't quite enough. And uh, we became business partners. And I believe that Ham's Keg box is is, is historically from the, the Clay and Melody Story family. Um, uh, that's okay. kind of how I remember it. Yeah, that is, uh, if we're talking favorite cheap beers, that is my personal favorite cheap beer. But I really wanted to ask that just to segue into a question. I heard you open recently reopened the tap room there at the original location. How has that been? It's, it's a lot of fun for me um, for various reasons to sort of preserve where this whole thing started at uh, for, you know, is it, is it a financial um, operation? No, we really would like to invite people. We think it's an interesting story. It's an interesting address and invite, having people over to have a pint and kind of take a peek around a look around um, seems like the obvious thing to do. And so we did open a real pub here in Bend uh, four years ago, uh, this July. After that, this particular address didn't have too much of an application. We had a 50-barrel brewery on the other side of town. We had, a, we had a bar and restaurant down the street. So this address was kind of sitting there growing dust. But here we are. We decided to put some money into it and reinvest. So you can see a couple of things in the background. It may not look like much, but... Uh, See that AstroTurf <laughs> in the back? We're actually putting an outside beer garden, and there's a food cart over here on the left. And what's interesting about that, even after all the years, um, you can see that door with stickers on it. All we had in there was a tasting room. In that tasting room, you could get your beers to go, your crowlers, your growlers, and, and some samples. But at the end of the day, you couldn't have pints there. So, yes, now you can come have a pint. Thanks for asking. So, see you down there. Come on down have a pint. <laughs> if you're looking to have food and stuff, I suggest you come to a rather nice food uh, big pub. Um, also here in Bend, which I made at all my years in the industry making beer. I thought a pub would be kind of easy, but 
<laughs> yeah, I thought I could just throw up the uh, the logo and everybody come running down and we'd make a bunch of money because we got Boneyarda. That was that's not accurate. It's a whole other animal. That's like those people that are on uh, like uh, like restaurant nightmares or like the bar rescue. They're like, oh, we retired and we thought we'd start a, a restaurant as a retirement business. We thought it'd be a nice, easy business. <laughs> Let's take a beer break and talk about one of the best ways to explore Central Oregon breweries, the Bendale Trail. Founded in 2010, the Bendale Trail has grown into seven different territories, expanding throughout Central Oregon, with 30 breweries, over 17 drinkable diversions, and amazing perfect pairings to complete your Bend adventure. More beer and even more prizes await you on the Bendale Trail. Visit bendaletrail.com for more details. And now let's get back to the show. So focusing back on the beer itself, you guys are known around these parts for your hot forward beers. Um, but I've read that uh, you've been getting into mixed fermentation more. Um, and I was wondering, have you learned anything from making these mixed culture beers that's informed your clean beer process? First of all, Ben, a uh, clean beer process. I mean, I'm a big champion of that. Uh, everyone, not maybe everyone doesn't know, but my personal philosophy as a brewer, order of operations, clean, balanced, interesting. If you're close to me, you're going to be like, Tony said it again, because there's so many beers that can be attempting to be super interesting with all the modern yet to be named hops or this and that, that somewhere along the way, they've just lost themselves through yeast vitality or yeast or, or some other, something else, just there's always an off flavor. So clean beer is always number one. Um, balanced beer, it always has to be. And in, in, the, in the craft beer space, hopefully it's very interesting as well. Our mixed culture program is really about six or seven years now. It was me being me. I'm all in type of guy. I had a broker that had some fooders available from France, and I th- and I really wanted to get into goose style lambics. Nice. Um, as a brewer, I, as a consumer, it's one of my other IPAs, like the thing that really feeds me, and also probably one of the most challenging spaces to try and tackle. You know, not just a sour beer like a kettle sour, but a true yeah. goose style, right? Yeah. The dynamics, yeah. the multiple. And so uh, I don't know what happened, but before you know it, I had four 60 hectoliter fooders sitting on the ground here in America that came from France. And then I'm like, okay, what's next? And so uh, we just dove all in. How to use them. <laughs> and uh, and since, since we were a draft only IPA brewery, I thought it would maybe help kind of let people know that we do other things than just ale IPAs and draft beer. So we came out swinging with 750 mil painted glass, Cajun cork, true lambic style pretty darn good to be honest um but by that time it seemed to me the 750s were kind of over everyone's in the 500s and and some of these specialty 18 dollar bottle thing i I missed the whole window Uh, truth is they're really good we've got two lambics i I really stand behind goose cruise and funky bunch and um you know i probably well i can tell you this i'm sitting on a uh 200 barrels in the fooders right now of uh, these beers they're delicious let's go uh, maybe we should just have a party open up some swickles and get to work oh my god don't tempt me with a good time but, uh, <laughs> again two weeks in a, in a row i have to very very much restrain myself from not just turning this into 
Brian talks about Lambic with his friends for <laughs> ever because yeah, everything that you just said there, it's the most beautiful nuanced style of beer and you just throw caution to the wind. Like here, nature, what can you give me? <laughs> Pretty interesting story. So the, uh, we have two of them. We have four fooders, um, two fooders are inoculated one way, the other, a different way. And so when I was out working in the field doing different projects, um, there's a guy, Steve Altamiri, uh, out of Northern California, a very talented brewer. And, um, he was working at a brewery called Valley Brewing Company in Stockton. And, you know, him and the, the company split ways. I was kind of hired to come in and, and help the company limp along from a brewing and packaging standpoint. And, um, he had some clearly was obvious to me, some weird inoculants in the back, in the back room. And he was very mm -hmm. talented ales, IPAs, stouts, sour beers. This guy's really good. So I took some a liter back to Ben, put it in a barrel. And, you know, this one, this, you know, I populated this up for five years. And this was what's in two of the fooders. Years later, I got to be friends with Steve. I go, Steve, what was that bottle of sour number five? And he goes, oh, you know. And then he got back to me 24 or 48 hours later. He goes, well, Tony, I just put some ward out in the parking lot here in Stockton by the shipyards and propagated <laughs> that up. And that's what you're, you <laughs> I think somewhere. Along the way, I got some, I uh, can't remember the different wild strains right now, but I fortified it with a couple of different things along the way. But that was the origin story of that. While the other ones we use, uh, oh boy, I'm going well, like, blank. It's been so Like a Rosalaire or like a... Uh, a... All right, <laughs> Move on, I'll get back to it. It's the... Yeah, just sure. Just shout it out. Like if you're in the middle of an answer to another question, just shout out this yeah. this thing if you think about we'll it. We'll know or what if, you're talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. But we'll, it was it was Trey, Trey, Brett Trey, and Bambicus, I think. But okay. what, what what I'm trying to say is we try to create our own cocktail mixture of these two uh, wild yeast strains and thinking that we are being really intelligent and we're going to develop all these fun flavors and acids and different things. And at the end, I kind of like the. Uh, the long story strain strain that came out of a uh, parking lot in Stockton, California. Let's, let's get to the full circle-ness of this that we, you've alluded to. Uh, Boneyard was recently acquired by our fe other featured brewery tonight, Deschutes. Can you talk about how that relationship has been for you as both an owner of Boneyard and also for Boneyard as a, a brand? Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's super, um, the story's still being written. Um, I'm super excited. I mean, we talked about COVID being a draft-only brewery, and um, I feel like I'm patting ourselves on the back. But when we open, when we put that lightning in the can, when finally put RPM in a can, it it opened the floodgates, and there was no way—at least we saw it—that we'd ever have the capacity in our other brewery on Plateau Street to fulfill to both draft and package obligations. So we started creeping around looking for some help, which led to knocking into shoots for obvious reasons. They have a long-standing history there. They're in Bend, Oregon, amazing facility right down the street from my house, you know, which led to a fun conversation, except for, well, Tony, you know, that sounds great, except for we don't want to compete with you. We'd rather have skin in the game. So that's kind of how it got going. And, and, and I like to share this with everybody. It's a true partnership. Um, we have skin in the game currently both directions. So, um, you know, every transaction is different. Um, but let it be known on your tagline that we're true partners as we speak here today. I take a, I take a salary. I'm at the brewery every day. And we're all, the whole team is working to fulfill our, 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 our dreams and obligations. 
Um, but it's really exciting. I've always been interested if Boneyard, and still am, is a brand or a, or a beer that could could uh, potentially work between Seattle and San Diego, for example. And mm-hmm. uh, now we're going to test that theory because um, we have the brewing capacity, we have the packaging line, all the tools that they already had in their box with their distribution relationships or the other co-owners on the streets and various communities. So I couldn't be more excited to see this case pack on the floor at Costco or uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona and things like this. The project is still underway. Um, We're learning how to work with each other. Clearly, um, why I was the top dog previously and what happened in the brewery behind you or the other brewery, we looked at it as a team, but the ability to um, discuss that and make an adjustment was rather rapid. With the layers and the, the, that a larger brewery has, the checks and balances, the insurance, and all these different things, it's a longer process from concept to package nowadays. So that's been the most interesting part for me. But that's what brewers do. I totally respect and understand that process. I just never had to go through it before. <laughs> so, Tony, I've had a lot of great nights drinking RPM. And I've had a lot of not so great nights where RPM was the highlight of my night. But I'm curious, uh, what is your favorite non-Boneyard beer? It bounces around um, based off, you know, where my head is at currently as a brewer. You know, what we're trying to create, I think, is about pleasing your inner desires for myself, but then also dividing that by the business construct and what the consumers want. I mean, for example, I still haven't made a hazy beer. Uh, I think there's plenty of good ones out there, but I just come from a different generation and I'm a West Coast guy. I, I don't know. Let's not get into that. I Well, That's I fine. respect I'm, that. Yeah. I'm super for that. Um, but on the opposite end of that is what is feeding my desires. And, you know, um, you know, when we got going, I already shared with you, I tried to model or identify key markers in beers like Russian River, Firestone, Three Floyds. Uh, but currently... You know, as much as I get to experiment with different hops and, and all the things that we do, I'm still so curious. I feel like this IPA that I'm dreaming up, this unicorn IPA, I still haven't been able to find. And when I'm out and traveling and I taste something that's close to it, that's what I'm chasing at the time. Currently, Ben, to answer your question, the most recent um, inspiration that I have that I'm trying to chase down is, um, is Ghost Town. Uh, some of the IPAs they're making down there in Oakland at Ghost Town are exactly what I think a West Coast IPA is supposed to be like. And so uh, my inspirations are jumping around for a while. I was in the Lambics. At the end of the day, I'm an IPA guy. I love my lagers. And um, I do think that the flavors that the consumer is looking for and the evolution of the um, maturity of this craft beer space at 30 years plus, somewhere between 20 and 30, everything's just getting better and more refined. All these brewers like myself and others, are just getting better and better each year. So what was really influenced me five years ago, what I thought I knew about beer five years ago is different than where it is today. So anyhow, lately uh, I'm, I'm trying to track down how to make a beer taste like ghost town. So Tony, we ask all of our guests this one final question to cap things off. What is one thing that you wish Bend was more well-known for? Uh, more well-known for? Well, Boneyard, clearly. Uh, <laughs> uh, shameless plug i i full, wholeheartedly support that you know bend i'm not trying to dodge the question 
uh, has been on such a, such a growth spurt and it's changing so much every day um, that it's recreating itself every year. Um, currently, the amount of live music, the amount of food options um, and entertainment and breweries and, and the likes are just exploding and out of control. Um, so had I fielded this question five or nine years ago, you would have got the response from me that you just heard, which is, I, you know, it, it's so close. Some of the old school people don't want to be what it is today, but I was always looking for that. We're looking for a little bit more high quality, more interesting cross-cultural food, um, music, arts, and entertainment. So we got that recently. And I think that Ben is now well known for that, to be honest. Um, look at a lot of the, the, the uh, amphitheater here is pulling down rather large names to skip right through Portland and other communities. And they just come straight to Ben. So thanks, Tony. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Can you tell people where they can find Boneyard Beer? Well, that's changed a whole lot, at least recently, with the uh, partnership with the shoots, because yeah. it, it was only in kegs at all the bars and restaurants in Oregon. But recently, between Seattle, Boise, Reno, uh, Bay Area, uh, Phoenix, um, in 12-ounce cans, 16-ounce cans, and kegs, uh, I mean, up and down the West Coast, still just in select markets. The game's pretty interesting to try, and you don't, you don't just enter markets for the heck of it. You have to sort of identify what your strategy is and who you're distribution partnerships are with so we're still west coast brewery uh, we're not trying to get out into 17 states or nothing like that so well, you'll see us in uh, the four or five west coast states awesome well uh thanks thanks tony for for joining us ben and i are going to wrap up here ben thank you so much for co-hosting this month thank you for having me brian it's been a it's it's been my pleasure i hope we can do this again soon i think uh Chris, christmas sounds like a good time at the very least for us oh, to yeah. rejoin our powers for a live stream i'm hoping by at least that point i do get you to freestyle over some sort of beat oh my god i forgot we made that joke at the beginning of the month i've had a where i've had a whirlwind of a month and um i completely forgot about that and when i when i made that joke originally i was like oh i'm gonna write a stupid rap and then i'll do it but yeah any other final thoughts on bend other than uh, trying to get me to freestyle rap on here? Well, I, you know, I, what, what I've realized is um, I, I think on the first episode this month, I mentioned that uh, I'd been there before. I didn't really remember too much of it because of extenuating circumstances. Um, and I, I'd like to go back again and make memories, but I'm very intrigued by uh, this idea that Tony just sort of threw out there uh, about a swickle party. Uh <laughs> <laughs> with, with a bunch of lambics and fooders and i mean that sounds right up my alley um brian i know you've been there re- more recently than i have but um yeah you know if there's a swickle party I'm, i'll be there i'll find a way i don't have a car but i'll find a way down there it's so delicious i like my lambics bottle conditioned high carbonation but strangely just off the fooder room temperature and, and flat it's it's also unbelievable yeah, that's that's uh, right up my alley. Uh, you are speaking my language, and that sounds like an open invitation too. So I just just walk into Bet- uh, yeah. Boneyard anytime and be like, "Hey, this I'm here being, to drink." This is being recorded. We have receipts. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great idea. I believe we could probably set the cameras up in front of the booters uh, and uh, do a time lapse, and we'll see how that how that uh, content develops. Amazing. <laughs> then we'll get some Chiba Hut, and we'll have a great time. Don't threaten me with a good time.
<laughs> is that the second time I said that tonight? Probably. I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I it doesn't speaking, matter. I'm like the Pitts, I'm like the Steelers coach. I just speak in euphemisms and sayings now. Yeah, well, uh, say it again in five minutes. It's okay. Hey Ben, don't threaten me with a good time. There you go. I love I love Ben. I had such a good time visiting there. I had such a good time talking about them this month. I am going to try to convince my wife and my two year old daughter to trek across the country in the next year or so and head to Bend for an actual like vacation, non-work trip, um, because that Bend is exactly my type of city. And uh, I hope to drink more beers like this in the near future. And, uh, you know, one final thanks to our featured breweries for providing us some really crushable beers for this episode. You can find more from Deschutes at DeschutesBrewery.com. And you can find more from our friends at Boneyard at BoneyardBeer.com. Dot com. Shout out to our feature breweries, not only Deschutes and Boneyard, but also Good Life, Bridge 99, Crux Fermentation Project, and Monkless too. And shout out to all of the wonderful breweries in the Bend, Oregon area. You find more from us at Bruvana.com. Uh, check out the beer club there. You can get great beer shipped to you monthly and drink with us on the live stream as we record these wonderful podcast episodes. Uh, you can also follow us on the show's social medias at Bruvana. That's at Bruvana. Uh, we'll be back next week with our newest featured city. And um, boy, I, uh, I can't wait for you to all see uh, what city we have next. I'd hope you like it. Until then, stay safe, be kind, and uh, support local breweries. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>